On Sunday mornings, we started last week with talking about our serve focus for the 2020 vision. When we talk about serving God and others, uh, what we mean is that we want to use our spiritual gifts both to reach the lost and to edify believers. A very important part of our ministry here. It starts with worshiping, and we're learning God's truth and connecting as His family, but it can't stop there. I'd like to use the illustration of a three-prong three prong power plug. If you plug in a power tool, most of those have three prongs, and um, the three prongs could be worshiping and learning and connecting. And as you are plugged in here at church in those three ways, we want to see God's power then flow through you as, a, as an instrument, as a power tool, as a, a, a vessel for His use. And so we'd like to see you get plugged in, get involved here at Thompson Road and find a way to serve God by serving others. Last week, the topic was serve abundantly. And we saw our motivation for doing that from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul talks about the resurrection. And if uh, we had hope in this life only through Christ, then we'd be a pitiful crew. We'd be of all men most miserable, he says. But because of the resurrection, we ought to serve abundantly. And so our memory verse for this month, hope you're growing familiar with it, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's the idea of abundant service, because we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Well, this morning's message is kind of a follow-up to that as we look at the question, how to uh, serve abundantly or really look to answer that question that Paul didn't really give answers to there in 1 Corinthians 58. He just says, because of the resurrection, and he uses 57 verses talking about that, and says, because of that, we ought to serve. We ought to be busy. We shouldn't be people who serve a little bit some of the time, but people who serve a lot all of the time, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, maybe you wonder what that ought to look like. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while, or maybe you're brand new and Maybe from your perspective, you just don't have a lot to offer. Maybe uh, you think you weren't uh, particularly well-trained in Scripture, or maybe you're uh, uh, not into speaking in front of people, and so you couldn't teach, and you don't have specific skills in other areas, or maybe you don't have the time or resources to be plugged in and involved in serving here at church. Uh, But I think a how-to message uh, as we look at some scripture and consider some opportunities here at Thompson Road uh, will help motivate, equip, and inform you to be able to to, uh, let God's power flow through you, the spiritual gifts that God has given you to, to surge through you in useful ministry for Him. So that's our goal, our prayer, and God's desire for each member Here at Thompson Road, uh, you've heard it before, God didn't save you to sit, He saved you to serve, and so we want to find ways to do that. A question for you before we get into the text, that is, how do you come to church? We've got a couple of intersections closed near our house. If you live out east, you know that it's closed off at Edgewood and Five Points, and then over here, just up the road on Thompson, it's closed at Sherman and Thompson. And so we were coming a different way to get around the uh, Sherman closer, but we can't go through Edgewood because of that closure. So we're, uh, uh, Bev Wire lives out that way too. She comes and does a financial work. She asked me this week, how do you come to church? 
uh, uh, some others too, having to get around those things. How do you come to church? And on Wednesday, even McFarland was closed. So we were cutting across because they were working on power lines. And uh, she gave me some helpful shortcuts so I could find a new way to come to church. Or maybe you come from this side and you saw that sign that said that the railroad tracks, that the trains would be coming more frequently and they'd be longer when they come. And uh, the good news there that you have to maybe go under it or uh, if you need to know the way to do that. Uh, how do you come to church? Well, I'm not talking actually about uh, the route that you take or your means of transportation but rather, spiritually, what is your posture when you come to, when you approach, and coming to church, we, we usually use that to talk about our gatherings, our services, but we recognize that we are the church, and we are to be functioning as the church all throughout the week. And our scheduled service times are our primary outlet for the worshiping, the learning, the connecting, uh, but the serving... Uh, though it also it probably is climaxes during our scheduled service times. It's something that, that should be taking place all the time as we function around the clock as the church. So how do you come to church? What is your mental uh, approach? What is your psychological uh, presumption or expectation? What is your spiritual posture as you approach your role in the body of Christ uh, the building for God's presence uh, that we are, that is the church. How do you come to church? There are a couple of ways you could do it. Number one is as a consumer. A consumer is defined as someone who takes in, someone who uses up. And so a consumer is someone who comes to church with their hand out like this. And it's basically the posture that says, okay, here I am. I did you a favor by showing up for church today, so please minister to me. Please feed me. Make sure that I'm comfortable. Um, I'd like to uh, be able to have some influence on, on the way things look and what the temperature is and what the songs that are sung and just make sure that, that uh, my needs are met today because I've showed up for church. That's kind of a consumer mentality, and it's natural. We're born with a consumer mentality. I was. I didn't uh, come out of the womb looking for ways to contribute. I came out of the womb and and uh, we just, we're just needy, and we want others to provide those needs. And so uh, many aspects of our lives we approach as consumers. And that's okay sometimes. Okay? When you go to the grocery store, we don't walk into the door saying, well, I just want to find a way for this supermarket to profit off of me today. No, we look and we say, I want to get a good deal. I want to get, the, I, I don't, I'm not, oh, I'll, I'll take this spoiled tomato right here because I don't want to be selfish. No, we're, we're consumers in the supermarket and that's okay to an extent. Even when we go to school, we don't go and say, oh, I want to pay my tuition and my primary goal in coming is just so that my teachers can have a fulfilling experience in, in teaching me today. No, we want something from it. We're consumers. We want the education. Even though we, we, when we go to work, that we're supposed to be working hard and doing things, our goal is to get that income so that we can meet our family's needs and so that we can give to God's work through the church and other things where consumers and that naturally flows into our approach to church sometimes in an unhealthy way. So I hope we don't come to church as a consumer. I, I don't think we have many here who would, I'm certainly not thinking of anyone. Rather, how do you come to church? Maybe you could come as a contributor. A contributor comes to church not with his hand out, but with his hand up. And if you're thinking, oh boy, here's this new pastor one year into it. He's talking about raising hands in church already. No, don't worry. I'm saving that till next year. What I'm talking about 
just teasing, but I'm talking about the attitude that says, I'm, I'll do it, I'll volunteer, hey, pick me, here am I, I'm available. That's the contributor mentality when we come to church. Well, as we look at Scripture, I think you'll know which one is favored, and maybe uh, you found yourself thinking in one of those ways or the other, or maybe you're just kind of somewhere in between, hands dangling at the side, so just kind of wondering what to put them to work doing. And we get a good glimpse in Scripture of a lesser-known couple that just gives us a great example of how someone who's not an apostle, someone who's uh, not um, a mighty warrior in battle, someone who's not uh, specifically wealthy or powerful anyway, just a Christian couple, just a Christian couple. And so I invite you in your Bibles to Acts chapter 18 as we look at the characters of Ananias, uh, sorry, Aquila and Priscilla, Aquila and Priscilla. Maybe you're like me, and you're getting those mixed up already, and you go, Aquila and Priscilla, I've heard of those. Are they the ones that dropped dead in church when they lied about their offering? No, that was Ananias and Sapphira. Some of you heard about them over in Sunday school. Uh, Aquila and Priscilla, oh yeah, weren't they tent makers? Yeah, those are the ones, and we don't have a broad brushstroke biography or narrative of their lives in Scripture. What we have is just a few snapshots, just a few snapshots of the lives of just an ordinary Christian couple But what we see in those few snapshots is that they had a contributor mentality, that they were willing to always serve abundantly, and God used them uh, in a special way in in the early church. And in similar ways, we'll look at that He can use us today in His church. So Acts chapter 18, and starting in verse 1. Paul's second missionary trip, and Luke writes that after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. And it was there at Corinth that he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and he came unto them. So what happened was in 49 AD, uh, Claudius wrote an edict that expelled all Jewish people from Rome, kicked them out of the city. And it seems that what was at the center of that was just the, the tumult that was around the synagogues because of the disagreement about Jesus, that there were still Jews going to worship at the synagogue and, and bringing their sacrifices and you know, Saturday worship and all these things. And then here were these apostles and other missionaries showing up and saying that Jesus is the Messiah. He died for your sins. He rose again from the grave. We saw him. Others saw him. He went back up to heaven now, but he wants us to serve him now. His new organization, his new organism is the church, not the sacrificial system. And he's got this uh, new uh, uh, project for us of going to the world and reaching the Gentiles with this message. And the Jews were saying, no, we're sticking with our traditions. We don't open this to Gentiles. We have to keep giving our sacrifices. And there was such a tumult appears. That's what it was at the center that caused Claudius to say, uh, just in a, the, the, the typical traditional anti-Semitic uh, broad stroke, just says, get them all out of here. And so here's Aquila and Priscilla, probably Christians living in Rome already at the, the time. And they're just kicked out of the city. And they have to go find somewhere else to live. They find themselves in Corinth. So as Paul comes to Corinth, he finds them. 
And the end of verse 1 says, He came unto them. The end of verse 2 says, verse 3 says, And because He was of the same craft, He abode with them and wrought or worked on this craft, for by their occupation they were tent makers. So here's Aquila and Priscilla. They're saved. They're believers in the resurrected Christ, followers of Him as Paul is. Uh, They have something else in common. They both have the same profession. Paul was skilled in tent making uh, as kind of a side job to support his mission's endeavors. And that's what Aquila and Priscilla did. They maybe had like a a storefront uh, there in the old, uh, you can still go today to Corinth and find the ruins of an old uh, outdoor mall, basically. And the first thing we see about Aquila and Priscilla is that uh, they're willing to open up their house. Uh, here's this guy that pretty much wherever he goes, there's this kind of tumult and trouble stirs up and it's not long before he's kicked out of town or, or uh, even attacked or imprisoned or, or, or stoned or beaten or all these things. But they open their house to him in compassion. They're willing to say, look, our resources we'll share with you. Look, our uh, tent making gear, you can use it. Hey, you can sell at our storefront. You can uh, stay in our little guest room. It's not much. It's very modest, but we'll open our home to you compassionately. And that's the first snapshot we see uh, of Aquila and Priscilla and one that we can uh, mimic today, and that is to present your resources with compassion. Just to present your resources. I don't have much. I have a little space. I have these tools. I have the storefront area. But I want to invest it in a way that will advance God's kingdom. I want to use it in a way that will be of spiritual benefit to others. I want to use it to support God's servants. I want to use it uh, for the Lord's work. And so with compassion, they presented their resources. They let Paul stay with them. Uh, He maybe earned money there that would um, allow him to uh, uh, go on his his, uh, next trips. And um, Aquila and Priscilla probably uh, sacrificed some of their business or Uh, what they could have charged him uh, to be a blessing in that way. Later in the passage, we find that he stayed there. I think it's verse 11 says that he stayed there for a year and six months. So the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I could imagine a conversation between Aquila and Priscilla. And Aquila says, look, honey, I know we opened our our house to this guy and, you know, we've opened our house to someone for a couple days or a week or this guy's been here six months now, but don't worry, Priscilla, I'm, I'm trying to find another place for him. And as soon as someone else opens our house, we'll get rid of this guy. And maybe Priscilla said, no, we, we have to keep taking care of him. This is God's servant. God's using him in a very special way. And we have a part in that just by housing him, just by sharing our resources with him compassionately. Well, we see another snapshot down in verse 18, and that is that after this year and six months, Paul's ready to move on and go spread the gospel somewhere else. It says after, and Paul tarried, chapter 18, verse 18 of the book of Acts, Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria and with him, Priscilla and Aquila. So after a year and a half, and even maybe it sounds like in verse 18, even a, a good deal of time after that, that they've stayed together and they've opened their home and they've shared their, their business space. But when it comes time to leave, that maybe, again, we're conjecturing here, but Priscilla says, you know, it's, 
It's been so meaningful this last year and a half or this last couple of years just to have an impact on the Lord's kingdom by investing in one of his servants, by just having a small part in the gospel as it's been spread and shared. And now that Paul's moving on, I feel like that's going to be a void in our lives. Like, can we still be useful just having a tent shop? Can we still be useful, you know, just you and me in our home and selling our stuff? And sure, we've got other believers here to fellowship with, but could it be that God wants something more from us? Could we serve more abundantly in a, in a more powerful way? I kind of wish we could go with Paul, Priscilla says. And Aquila says, well, why can't we, sweetheart? Why can't we? We could find someone to take care of the tent shop, and they could take care of the house, keep an eye on things while we're gone. And uh, we don't know where Paul's going to end up, but we can stick with him for a little while, and maybe we can keep being a blessing. Maybe we can keep helping him. Maybe we can be useful in, in sharing the gospel with people who've never heard it before and starting a church where there isn't one. Aquila and Priscilla were willing to participate in an outreach endeavor. And for us today, as we look for how to serve abundantly, we can participate in outreach endeavors. And that means we maybe look at a bigger picture than just staying home, just running our successful little business and having an ordinary life, and looking at the needs of the world as we'll be brought closely to consider next week in our missions conference and beyond. And just to ask God, how could I be used in a bigger way than just running a successful business and just having a nice, comfortable little home? And so they decided to take a missions trip. They were going to leave it behind. Hopefully they'd you know, maybe kind of set aside some money too so that they could be used of the Lord in whatever way that He called and led them to. And so they pack up a few things and hit the road with Paul uh, to share the gospel in another territory. Well, the next snapshot uh, comes uh, down in verse 24. Uh, the end of verse 21 says that they'd sailed, uh, they sailed, they find themselves in Ephesus, and, and Paul's going to sail away from there. Um, but actually, let's read uh, verse 19. He came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned, with the Jews. So as they arrive in Ephesus, Aquila and Priscilla kind of set up a place for them to stay and operate from. Paul heads off to the synagogue and he's trying to tell the Jews about the resurrected Christ and to accept their true Messiah and to get forgiveness of sins from his eternally permanent sacrifice rather than bringing their animals to the temple each year. And Aquila and Priscilla are going to stay there and Paul's going to move on. And maybe Paul tells him, you know, I think God's going to have a special use for you here in Ephesus, more than you could have been used back at Corinth, and more than you could be used where I'm going. Thank you for coming with me. You ought to stay here for now. Don't stay here permanently, but stay here as long as you can be useful. Again, I'm imagining that conversation, but that appears to be in some form the way this falls out. And so Paul is left now. Aquila and Priscilla, they're there in Ephesus finding, trying to find a way to be useful, still gathering with believers, still sharing the gospel. And verse 24 uh, tells about something ha that happens with Aquila and Priscilla while they're there at Ephesus. A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Okay, so they're going to cross paths, Aquila and Priscilla, with this man Apollos, who is one that God has saved 
and gifted in a special way to be a very uh, an eloquent speaker, a good handler of Scripture. He has a good knowledge, a base of scriptural knowledge and, and is really gifted in, in sharing that with others. Verse 25 says, This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the Spirit, and he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, and so here's another picture. They're, Aquila and Priscilla, their lives are overlapping. First with Paul, this mighty apostle that God's going to use really to shake the early world as he spreads uh, the news and, and starts churches. And, and uh, then Apollos, another uh, mighty man in the faith who God has gifted in a special way to have a really big impact. But here's Aquila and Priscilla, and they have just another opportunity to be connected to that. Ordinary people, business people, uh, modest people that God is going to use in connection with uh, this man Apollos. The end of verse 25, after all these positive things it says about Apollos, says, knowing only the baptism of John. So for all Apollos' gifts and for all his scripture knowledge, he was a little bit deficient in this one area. Uh, The baptism of John it was replaced by the baptism uh, for believers uh, that should be added to the church. But Apollos was unclear on this. And so verse, 27 says, uh, verse 26 says, When he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom, when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So here's Aquila and Priscilla. Again, not these uh, giants in you know, sharing the Scripture or being apostles or planting churches, just some modest people who knew their Bibles well, who had uh, studied their Old Testament Scriptures well, had sat under the teaching of Paul, had doubtless, as he stayed with them over those months, asked questions about as Paul was receiving revelation directly from the Lord Jesus Christ and was being able to, being able to share some of his teachings with the people in Corinth and uh, specifically with Aquila and Priscilla. And so they then, instead of just sitting on that knowledge, instead of just kind of shaking their heads at Apollos and finding somewhere else to worship after that you know, slightly negative experience, they say, let Let's use what God has given us to serve the church, to serve Apollos, to serve God's kingdom. Let's get this guy over to our house. Let's spend some time with him, and let's do some discipling. Let's do some counseling. Let's do a little bit of mentoring. Let's do some teaching, because God's really going to use Apollos, but we can be connected to him like we were connected to Paul. And so that's point three for us as we look for how to serve, is just to provide teaching to provide counsel or to provide discipling, you might not think of yourself as much. Hey, Apollos, he was kind of a big deal. Lots of really positive things about him in verses 24 through 26. Aquila and Priscilla, all we know about them is they're tent makers who are willing to get involved. But God used them to teach this teacher, to mentor this uh, powerful speaker, to uh, disciple this eloquent man who was gifted in handling the Scripture and to sharpen him as iron sharpens iron uh, as their way to serve. Well, I want to invite you to uh, bookmark your space there in Acts 18 and turn over to Romans 16. Romans 16 for another 
snapshot into the lives of Aquila and Priscilla. The narration there in the book of Acts just kind of moves on, leaves them behind, uh, and goes back to telling us what's happening with Paul as he has sailed on. That's all we know about Aquila and Priscilla mostly is what's told us in those few verses. They are mentioned here in Romans 16. A couple other places in Scripture we won't take time to look at that pretty much uh, parallel what we see here in Romans 16. It seems that after their time in Corinth and then they went with Paul to Ephesus and were used by the Lord there, that eventually after this uh, edict in Rome uh, blows over that they're able to go back there again. But verse 3, Paul, as he is using most of his final chapter of this doctrinal book to give greetings and commendations, says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. That's what a servant is. That's what someone who serves the Lord is just a helper. Someone who comes along and says, How can the Lord use me to benefit others? How can I be used to reach the lost or to edify believers? They're helpers who, verse 4, have for my life laid down their own necks. And verse 5 says, Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So just a brief snapshot, and if, if you're reading through these greetings, sometimes it's easy as an epistle close, you're always just greeting these people that we don't know anything about, but these are here for a reason, and these snapshots help us to see something that we are supposed to uh, gain in our knowledge, in our approach, in how we come to church, is how did those early believers come to church? And for Aquila Priscilla, they were helpers, they laid down their necks for the sake of Paul so that the gospel could be spread. And then now back in Rome, they opened their home to be a meeting place for the church. That was a risky thing to do in those days. They didn't have a church house like we have now. So someone's house had to be the church house. And we remember that this building that we meet in, this isn't the church. We are the church. Uh, This building is a house for the house of God. It's a building for the church. And so if they didn't have that in those days, people had to open their homes. Uh, yes, people coming in, men, women, and children, and, and sometimes having to sneak in and out, and sometimes uh, uh, bringing problems with them and persecution with them. But those early believers were able to say, I'll open my home. We can have a church in my house. We, our church can meet in my house. Um, and the number four that we can get for how to serve, just from this snapshot of Aquila and Priscilla, is to pre- pledge your health and wealth to grow the church. Pledge your health and wealth. That's what Aquila and Priscilla did. They pledged their health. They said, yep, I'll put my neck on the line to save Paul. I wish we could know the story of what maybe Paul's referring to, that Aquila and Priscilla had to risk their necks to save his life at some point, maybe on that trip from Corinth to Ephesus, or maybe at some time during his time in Corinth. But they were really willing to risk their health to serve the Lord abundantly. And they were willing, willing to risk their wealth to serve the Lord abundantly. And they to, what we see is they open their church, their house, uh, to be a meeting place for the church. By the way, Aquila and Priscilla weren't the only early believers that were sacrificing in big ways, just kind of people that, that we don't really know about, we don't re- remember or recognize their names or name our kids after them, or there's no statues of them anywhere. But look at verse 1. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church. What a good thing to be able to be said about someone 
someone who was willing to serve abundantly all the time, someone who was plugged in, someone who was letting God's work flow through them to meet the needs of the church so that Paul could say, I commend to you, an apostle could write at the end of this uh, rich doctrinal book, after all the doc- doctrine that, it, that it powerfully comes even through there in chapter 15, and say, oh, by the way, I commend Phoebe. She's a great servant of the church. Uh, the end of verse 2 says she has been a succorer for many, a helper, some who, someone who sacrifices their own uh, energy or resources to be a supporter to someone else. Verse 6, greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. There's Mary, common name back then. We don't know anything else about her except that she was someone who served the Lord. She got plugged in. She got involved. She invested in God's kingdom by serving the church with much labor, uh, abounding in the work of the Lord. Verse 9, salute, salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. Here's another helper, just a guy who is willing to serve. You've probably never heard of him before, but he's worth, worthy of mention here in uh, the inspired and preserved scriptures just because he was willing to help. Verse 12, salute um, Tryphena and Tryphosa who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved, beloved Persis who, which labored much in the Lord. And you kind of see this as you look in the other epistles as well, that just kind of ordinary people, ordinary believers, ordinary women, ordinary men, an ordinary couple like Aquila and Priscilla, but not so ordinary because they were willing to give what they had to serve the church, to serve God's purpose, and to advance Christ's kingdom. Number five is that when we do these things, one through four, that we ought to be able to predict widespread impact for the Lord. We might not be mentioned in Scripture like these people are, but when God's people use God's resources to do God's work, God will give great blessing. We expect widespread impact when we serve all the time abundantly. Uh, Again, saving our place here in Romans, let's look back at that Acts passage one more time in Acts 18. We'll come back to Romans 16 to, to finally wrap it up. Um, but chapter 18, remember verse 3, Paul stays in the house uh, of Aquila and Priscilla because they're all tent makers. And as he's staying there, look what he does, verse 4. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. People were getting saved, and it's in part to the credit of this ordinary couple who just opened their home compassionately. And then uh, verse 10, the Lord says to Paul at the end of verse 10, I have much people in this city. Uh, He's doing a great work there. Verse 11, he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. That teaching was facilitated by the humble service of Aquila and Priscilla. They're going to have a widespread impact. Verse 18 says he tarried there a good while and took his leave, uh, and then uh, Aquila and Priscilla go with him. Look at verse, uh, down in verse 26. Remember, they took Apollos and got Apollos kind of straightened out on some of his theology. You might need to have me over for lunch today and straighten me out on a couple things because that's uh, just an area that they were willing to serve. But verse 27 says, when he, this is Apollos, you know, after this uh, training, this mentoring with Aquila and Priscilla was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, 
helped them much which had believed through grace. Apollos was a tremendous blessing in Achaia to the believers there, and it's in part to the credit of just this humble couple, Aquila and Priscilla, who was willing to invest some teaching, some discipling, some counsel in this man. Verse 28, For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Apollos was a man who was skilled to take the Old Testament and show the Old Testament to the Hebrew people and show them Christ in the Old Testament and convince them that he really is the Messiah and to bring them to the Lord through that. And it's in part to the credit of Aquila and Priscilla. There's a widespread impact that they had a part in because they were just willing to open their home. They were just willing to compassionately surrender their resources. They were willing to participate in a missions endeavor. And then back to Romans 16 one more time as we look at what Paul says about them in verse 3. Greet Aquila and Priscilla, my helpers in Christ Jesus. And we skipped over this earlier, but he says, Who have for my life laid down their own necks? Look what he says beautifully in here, Romans 16 verse 4 unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Does that give you chills a little bit? That this ordinary couple who's just willing to give and willing to show compassion and to house and to join this missionary endeavor and to invest their resources and to teach and to counsel privately where needed. And all the churches of the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul says, thanks, this couple for their investment, for their willingness to serve, just in behind-the-scenes ways, at great expense to themselves, perhaps, in earthly terms, but to the growth of the church, to the growth of the believers, to the spread of God's Word through the ministry of Apollos and through the ministry of Paul and through all the lives, the thousands of lives that they would touch. When I counseled at Camp Joy as a sophomore in college, the biggest game of the week involved a chest-deep mud pit there on the campgrounds. And what their idea of fun was, uh, this is, uh, I don't know if camps are still doing this so much, but they dumped 100 marbles into this mud pit, and whichever team could find the most marbles from this mud pit would, would get the most points and win the game. And so one team lined up on one side of the mud pit, the other team lined up on the other side of the mud pit. Uh, parents loved when laundry came home from this week of camp, by the way. But And the air horn would sound, and there were basically kind of two different approaches that campers had to the mud pit. There were some that as soon as that horn sounded would literally dive into that mud pit with no regard for health or safety or cleanliness, not caring about anything but marbles. And there was a second time of, type of camper that would kind of casually tiptoe around the edge of the mud pit and hope that just by reaching their hand in, they might be able to find a marble or two along the edge without getting too dirty. And that's maybe kind of, a, to an extent, an illustration for the way we, the ways we can approach church and ministry, and there are so many Christians today that they're, they want to be on the winning team and they want to be part of something important, but they just want to kind of stay on the edge, to be on the fringe and not get their hands too dirty and hopefully still reap some benefit, but not get too involved or messed up. 
And then there are Christians that say, this is all that matters. This is what is of eternal importance. And for the Lord's team, I will give everything. I want to dive in with both hands and both feet. And it doesn't matter if my outfit is ruined. It doesn't matter if my hair is stained. It doesn't matter if I have uh, dirt in my teeth. I'm going to do something. I'm going to be useful. I'm going to help the team. So how can we do it? Well, we can see from Aquila and Priscilla that serving abundantly doesn't mean that you have to surrender to full-time service and be a, a, a full-time vocational pastor or a missionary or a Christian school teacher in, in a professional sense. We can't all be the Apostle Paul. We can't all be Apollos. But we can all be Aquila and Priscilla in some way. So here's some takeaways, some ideas, some opportunities of areas where you and I can serve abundantly. And as we look at a lengthy list, I hope that you will take a pen or at least mentally highlight a few areas and say, I could do this. I could serve in this area because there will be dozens of options here, dozens of opportunities, I should say some of which you can't serve in, you really aren't gifted for it or don't have the resources for. But I promise you that on this list there are ways that you can serve. So will you, with an open heart, look for how you might be involved? Okay, just as uh, Aquila and Priscilla compassionately opened their home to Paul, you and I can serve in areas of hospitality and compassion. Okay, so we can similarly open our home whether it's for a friend or a fellow church member going through a transition in a difficult time, whether it's a missionary or a special speaker coming through, whether it's, a, say, a college team that's coming to minister us in music, that we can open our homes, that we can provide a meal. Most any one of us could do this, if it's a gift card or cooking for a funeral dinner or maybe someone who just had a baby or just lost someone, and we say, I, I want to bring a meal to your house. Maybe when there's a church meal. Um, someone said, we'll never have those again here at church. hope we will. hope it doesn't have to be too long. I feel like it's an important part of what we do here. It's having those group dinners here at church. Um, and you know, a while ago, some years ago, I realized, you know, I'm a really consumer when I come to those. I wasn't cooking or bringing anything. Sometimes I didn't even help with setup. Sometimes I didn't do a thing with cleanup, but I'd sure show up and eat. So I thought maybe I ought to be a contributor. Oh, there's something I could cook and bring. You know, I could call the church early in the week and ask if help is needed to set up tables or to chairs or to decorate them with tablecloths and place settings and other things. I could bring something to that meal. I could stick around and clean up afterwards. I could use that time to reach out to someone. How about just a call or send a card? When someone is sick, when someone hasn't been here at our gatherings, when someone has lost a loved one, just to give them a call and check on them, just to say hi uh, to someone who is shut in, just to send a card to someone who is celebrating a special occasion or, or just uh, needs a word of encouragement. We can serve the church just by greeting and conversing with people who come here to church introducing yourself to a visitor, helping them find the classroom or to feel welcome, uh, talking with someone who's sitting by themselves, um, 
Even though they may not want to talk, we can converse and, and uh, show friendliness, at least make that opportunity available. We can sign up for needs. Sometimes we ask for a volunteer to help with uh, someone who's moving or, or someone who uh, uh, needs help. And uh, we can do things like um, adopt a shut-in. What I mean by that is that we have a list of those who, who are shut-in, who are on their own. And yeah, we pastors try to keep an eye on them. The deacons do a good job at keeping up with them. But it'd mean a lot for some church people. And with a couple hundred church people and only a couple dozen shut-ins to have a family that say, hey, I want to take this person on the list. I'm going to watch out for them. I'm going to know when their birthday is. I'm going to call this person every week. I want to adopt a shut-in. Um, if you get to me first, you get to pick, you know, and then the list will get picked over. So you want to rush and say, Here, I want, here's the, the shut-in that I want to adopt. We can pray for others. That's a ministry of hospitality and compassion. Okay, Aquila and Priscilla were willing to participate in outreach. So what about outreach? Well, similarly to adopting a shut-in, you could do this. You could adopt a missionary. You could say, wow, we have 50 missionaries. It's kind of a challenge to keep up with praying for all of them, to keep up with their prayer letters and what their needs are, to be able to pray specifically and meaningfully. Some of you do that, and that's a great ministry as a prayer warrior. I'll say even as pastor, it's hard to keep up with all those letters and, and to keep track of the needs and, and uh, what uh, specific challenge each is facing in their field. But you could adopt a missionary and say, hey, I want to pray for this couple. I'm going to sign up for their newsletter. I'm going to be aware of their needs. I'll maybe give extra when they have a specific need. I'm going to try to take them to lunch when they come through here to report. Maybe even as I pray over what my faith promise giving should be for 2021, I'm going to know what we support this missionary for. And so that will be my giving. I want to adopt this missionary. Or some of you could do a little more and adopt a country, say, that has a couple or three missionaries and give to them and keep up with them and send them a card a few times a year to give a gift to their kids when they have birthdays and adopt a missionary. Again, I've got the list. You want to come and see me quick to adopt your missionary. We want to get all of them connected with some of our church people here. You could go on a missions trip. You could set aside some funds that uh, is normally fun money or food money and, and say, I'm going to actually, this missionary adopted, I want to go see him. Or when there's this opportunity to, to go uh, have a service toward uh, one of our missionaries that has a specific need and we're organizing a mission trip, I'm going to be a part of that. Uh, that's what Aquila and Priscilla did. You can give financially. You can help with visitation. That's um, you know, knocking on doors or following up to some visitors we have here. We can help organize that. Distribute tracts and materials. You can leave a tract somewhere. You can hand it to someone. That's got our church info on it. You can put our church brochure on public bulletin boards where it's allowed in you know, the lobby of the laundromat or the landing of your apartment building or any places where we can just get the word out. Any one of us can distribute materials. Uh, you can promote through social media. When you like the church page and share what the church posts and commented and click that you're attending and put smiley emojis on it and stuff like that and share it with all of your friends. That helps get the word out. You can share the gospel or invite others to church to serve the Lord through outreach. And Aquila and Priscilla were willing to take Apollos aside for teaching, for counseling, for discipling. What about teaching? Well, you could meet with a young or struggling believer Oh, I don't know. Most of those people know more than I do. Well, I really think Apollos probably knew more than Aquila and Priscilla did, but they could be a help to him in some small way, and so they did that. There's someone here that you could help. 
Well, you could teach for a Sunday school class while they all have teachers, but you could sub for a Sunday school class. You could go to the teacher and say, hey, I've got a lesson ready, so anytime you're sick or out of town or need a break, you can call on me. That'd be a great blessing. You can work in the nursery. Boy, there, uh, you know, obviously some requirements there in screening and training, but many of you could do that. You can teach or aid in a Sunday school class or in junior church with the children. You could help on the bus. Or just like adopting, you could adopt a bus family and say, maybe I'll pick this kid up for church. And again, there would be some bedding and some screening and some organizing there. Some of you couldn't do that, but many of you could. And so instead of when we get our buses up and running again, going to one of the bus workers and say, hey, one of these 30 kids you brought in here is misbehaving. Oh, yeah, they've got 30 of them, and there's a handful of people trying to keep an eye on them and corral them and just get them the gospel. But maybe you could adopt a bus family and say, I'm going to bring them a turkey at Thanksgiving. I'm going to check on them when they're not in church. They can sit with me in the worship service when they come. I'll even go pick them up. To, maybe you can't do all of those things, but you could do some. You could volunteer for Awana or for VBS. You can teach for PTREA or CYBC. These are Bible clubs in our public schools here in Perry Township that people in other townships and other states, it blows their minds when I tell them that we're allowed, even furnished by the public schools to come in and share the gospel. And we have these opportunities. We don't have enough teachers to come in and share the gospel. An open door that needs a volunteer. Finally, Aquila and Priscilla were willing to uh, surrender their health and wealth to serve the Lord Several ways we can do that here. Clean, maintain, and improve our building. So many opportunities for that that many of you have invested hours and hours in. Weed, plant, trim, mow, and water here at the church grounds. Pick up trash or straighten chairs. Volunteer for the security team. Volunteer to work in the sound booth. Sing in the choir and special music. Be a contributor. There are some here that as... We shared these lists. You're working in half a dozen or a dozen of these areas already. But maybe there's someone who, maybe you realize, wow, I've been coming to church more like this. I'm ready to come to church like this. And say, plug me in. I'll get involved. I want to serve the Lord. I'm just a simple person. We're just a simple couple. But we want to get involved in something that will have an eternal impact. We want to be like Aquila and Priscilla, who Paul could say, all the churches of the Gentiles thank you. And we, a church of the Gentiles here, say thank you, Aquila and Priscilla, for your aid in getting the gospel spread throughout Europe and northern Africa and through those areas from which the gospel has spread and now reached America. And we are spiritual beneficiaries of that, that Aquila and Priscilla had a small part in just because they were willing to serve. Let's be willing to serve all the time, abundantly. And this is how to serve abundantly, knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord.